reaction to him just a little. Well, praise the Lord. Wow. I, I love the line in that song. Um, I got to remember it now. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Uh, my past, I leave behind me. How many of y'all have something in your past you wish you didn't do? Uh, by the way, if you look around, somebody doesn't have their hand up, point them out to me because I want to talk to them later. We're all there. Good night. There's so many things I look back on and I think, why did I do that? I've got three older brothers. My, one of my brothers, I stabbed with a pencil. I hated him. I, wanted, I, I didn't like him. I, I wish I had time to tell the story. I don't know that I wish I didn't do that one. I guess I, that's a terrible example. That was very gratifying, as a matter of fact. There's things in our past we all have. My wife and I, we do a lot of premarital counseling together for young couples getting ready to get married. And, and in those premarital counseling sessions, we say this all the time. You're not just marrying a person, you're marrying, you're marrying a family. All their baggage now becomes your baggage. How many of y'all knew that before you got married? How many of you knew that before you got married? You might not have, I'm just, don't raise your hand. Truth is, is we all have a past. We all have things we're not proud of. I'm so thankful that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin. My past is gone. G-O-N-E, gone. It's buried in the depths of the sea. I can go on. The Bible says, <coughs> excuse me, the Bible says that, that Jesus took my sins. He removed them as far as the east is from the west. Never, uh, I'm from Tennessee. This is shouting ground. I'm about ready to run a lap. I'm just telling you. My sins will never be brought up again. They're gone. They're gone. I'm thankful for that. By the way, I remember as a young man going to a, a, a camp meeting. My parents didn't go to church. I, I rode a bus to go to church. And I got saved parents, by the way. I thank God for my family. I thank God for all my family. Even my brother I stabbed. He's got a girl's name, but I thank God for him. But I, 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 love, I love my family. But we, we didn't go to church in those days. My parents had a family business, and that took all of our time. I rode a bus to go to church. I got some things in my past. I'm so thankful that when Jesus saved me, he forgave me my past. I remember we went to a camp meeting, Brother Rob, and at the camp meeting, and uh, in, in the South, camp meetings are a little bit different. By the way, remind me, camp meetings in the South, because I'll lose my train of thought. I'm, I can't wait to, to tell everybody all over America. I'm in a different church every week. I'm gonna tell them I went to a snake handling church in Connecticut. <laughs> Praise God. I'm from Tennessee. I thought that only happened down there. Uh-uh. I saw it this morning and filled with, anyway, it was a corn snake, so it was harmless. It was harmless. Not poison, amen. And uh, oh, ye of little faith. Anyway. Uh, we were at this camp meeting, and the preacher got up to preach, and, and a good old southern camp meeting under a tent. The preacher, I was just a, a young tyke, and I remember hearing this preacher get up, and he captivated my attention. He said, bless God. And by the way, when they say that, make sure you watch the Bible to see what they say next, if it's actually in the Bible. And uh, this guy, bless God, one day you'll stand before God. And that's true. And he was getting that dramatized, you know, approach. You'll stand before God. And God's going to drop that holy screen in heaven. And I was sitting there like, a screen in heaven? And he's going to show this was your life. And every bad thing you've ever done is going to show on that screen 
when you get to heaven. And I remember thinking, I was probably eight, nine, maybe 10 years old. I remember thinking, if that's what heaven's like, I don't know that I want to go. I don't, ever, I don't want everyone seeing all those bad things I've done. I don't want to. And then I started reading my Bible. You know what I found out? That preacher didn't know what he was talking about. Because the Bible says God forgave all my sin. And the Bible says never to be remembered again. He buries him in the depths of the deepest sea. Never to be brought up again. I'm so glad that preacher was wrong. When I go to heaven, no one's going to see all the bad things I've done. What they're going to see is this. The blood of Jesus Christ covering everything I've done. I'm so thankful. That's shouting ground for me. I'm so thankful for that. I really am. I look at Isaiah chapter 6. I love this passage. You were there just a minute ago. I hope you left your Bible open. And I, I love this passage. Can I just introduce my family to you first? They're not here today. I'm sorry. But uh, I wish my wife were here. I told the teenagers she's hot. You say, well, you shouldn't talk that way. I'm just telling you it's true. She's pretty. She's, she, I'm thankful for my wife. I am. I married up. Amen, men? It's a good time, sir, to say amen. I married out of my league. I did. I just met the couple. You all you said you've been married 62 years. Praise God. You married up, sir. She's put up with a lot, hasn't she? She already said she had. I asked, I asked him, who deserves the trophy for putting up with the most? She said it was me for sure. I put up with him a lot. The truth is, is sir, you married up. She said, I do. You, you definitely, you don't believe me, go look in a mirror. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. We as men, we don't deserve those wives. When we got married, we were knights in shining armor, weren't we? What happened? <laughs> now we're a rusty bucket of bolts, it seems. I was at, at Powerhouse this week, and I, I didn't even do anything. But I woke up this morning, I was sore in the back. I could barely get up. I had pizza from, what was that restaurant? Saravino's last night. Man, it was good. And I, I woke up in the middle of the night with heartburn, snoring so loud, I woke myself up. My wife puts up with me a lot. And I'm so thankful for my wife. I am. And uh, we, we're not what we were when we got married. I'm not what I was when I got married, but she's gotten better. And uh, I thank God for my wife. Almost 30 years now, looking forward to 62. But I thank God for our almost 30 years now of marriage. God gave us two daughters. My oldest daughter's name is Angel. I was telling the teenagers, we're not sure what kind of angel she is. Uh, she might be a fallen angel. I, I'm not quite sure. One thing's for sure, her halo has fallen off to the side a little bit. And uh, she's 25. She is an amazing young lady. I love her to death. And uh, she graduated from Bible college with a degree in teaching. And uh, she taught the last three years. This year, she, she's not teaching this year. We're still trying to figure out what she's going to do this year. And uh, she moved home. I don't know if I like that. We were getting used to that empty nest. Can I just tell you, the empty nest is amazing. Those preachers, I remember hearing preachers say all the time, you know, oh, we don't know what we're going to do when our kids move out. We're just, they're our life. We don't know what we're going to I found out they're liars. That empty nest is awesome. I can eat cereal at midnight and not worry about making noise, getting the bowl out of the cabinet and little feet running around the corner. Daddy, what are you doing? Nothing, kid. Get back in bed. I can eat ice cream out of the ice cream pail. 
I don't even need a bowl anymore. This is heavenly. I love it. I love it. And my daughter moved home. Ah. The problem is she's not married yet. 25, not married. And so I made it my life's goal to find her a husband. I'm in Connecticut today. I was in Illinois last week. I was in Missouri, I think, the week before. Everywhere I go, I say the same thing. And I'm not being cruel, I'm being honest. I'm here today to take applications for my 25-year-old daughter. She's amazing. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. She's all those talented. She plays the piano. She sings. She's godly. All those great things. She needs a husband. So if you're of the age or you know someone in the age, somewhere between 19 and 45, <laughs> I will take applications today for my daughter. And uh, you say, that's just cruel. Yes, it is. But I want that empty nest back. And uh, I used to say, Brother Tim, I used to say, she has to, ha she has to marry a guy who's saved, you know, separated, soul winner. Not anymore. He's got to have a big fat bank account. Because I'm going to retire one of these days and someone has to support me. And I could get him saved. And I could teach him separation and soul winning. I can take care of all that stuff. But it, it, I'm just joking about all that, of course. I really am. But, uh, but if you know someone who's looking for a wife, see me afterwards and I will talk. And uh, then, then I don't know, I'm just kidding. She is actually dating a boy seriously, very seriously now. And, and uh, he's a firefighter in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, his daddy's a pastor there in that area. And uh, Douglasville, Georgia to be exact. And, uh, and so then, then my second daughter, my oldest daughter's Angel. My second daughter, her name is Gabrielle. She's 22. And uh, she just graduated with a nursing degree from Pensacola Christian College. And uh, she accepted a position as a registered nurse after she took, did you have to take some test? I don't even know what it was. She talked like it was a tough test. I hear it's easy. Uh, NCLEX or something, I don't even know what it is. But uh, she passed it on the first try. And uh, she is a registered nurse there in, in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And uh, she graduated and uh, took, uh, got married and took that test all within about the same 35 days or so and passed all of them with flying colors. She's married and uh, married a young man from, uh, from Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. And, uh, and he is, he's now living in Georgia and he is a firefighter. So I potentially have two son-in-laws who are firefighters and my daughter's a, a nurse and the other daughter's living at home. And... Uh, God's been good to us. I, I love my family. I thank God for them. But it's good to be here in Connecticut. And my first time preaching in Connecticut in my life. And y'all have been the kindest in the world. I went soul winning yesterday with Brother Rob, knocking on doors. Had a great time knocking on doors, telling people about Jesus. And uh, what I learned yesterday was, I, okay, so forgive me. I'm from Tennessee. I'll get to the message here in a second. Uh, I'm from Tennessee. Down south, we hear about the north. By the way, I was born in Illinois, so I'm a Yankee by birth, so I'm not being critical. But from down south, people say people up north aren't very friendly. What I've learned is, is people up north are very friendly. I, I have enjoyed being here. This has been fantastic. We knocked on a bunch of doors, and, and almost every one of them were unbelievably kind, friendly, and talking. I loved it. I'm going to go back home and tell them, up north, people are extremely kind, and they handle snakes. So... So I, everything I've ever heard is totally different. And uh, thank you for being such a kind church. Honestly, I mean that. Thank you for being such a kind church. And uh, thank you, church family, for putting on Powerhouse. 
youth conference. Um, this auditorium was packed full of teenagers that listened, that responded, that let God work in their heart. Can I tell you? That's something special that a church would do something like that. You put that many teenagers in a room together, you'll wonder if the building is going to be standing come the next Sunday morning service. Uh, who knows, you know, what the plumbing is like today after that conference. Who knows what door is broken hanging off the hinges today based off that youth conference. Who knows what, you know, what mannequin's going to be in the dumpster after, you know, this, this conference. And I, the truth is, is your love for teenagers is to be highly commended. You invested money, you invested time. Many of you came and worked. And I wanna say thank you, as an outsider coming in, thank you for loving teenagers like that. They're the next generation. This church may not exist a generation from now if we don't reach the young people. It's that important. So thank you for doing it. Thank you for loving teenagers like that. Isaiah chapter number six, we'll get to the Bible. Isaiah chapter number six, the Bible says this, and I, I don't know that I really, I'm going to reread it anyways. We already read it once, but I'm going to reread Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says this, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. I think it's interesting in this passage of Scripture that Isaiah, in mentioning that that earthly king died, He's saying this, my focus is not on Uzziah. My focus is not on the king of the land. My focus is not on who's in the White House. My focus is not on who's in government control. My focus is on God. Hey, can I tell you, I'm not worried about who's in the White House. I'm not. Um, this is not a political message in any way whatsoever. But that doesn't bother me who's in the White House because I understand this. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he turneth it whithersoever he will. God's on the throne. God's in charge. It's not a, it's not a president. It's not a king. In Isaiah chapter number six, Isaiah literally says this. Hey, the king died, but I'm not worried. God Almighty's on the throne. God's in charge. Hey, your taxes may go up, but God still owns the cattle on, the, on a thousand hills and he owns the cattle under the hills too. He owns the ground under the cattle on the hills. I'll say it right here in a second. Hey, God's in charge. Here Isaiah says, hey, the king's dead, but God Almighty's on the throne. We serve God. I'm thankful God's in control. I'm thankful God. God didn't wake up three, and a half, three years ago and say, what happened in that election? What's going on in our government? Hey, God didn't wake up one day and say, how'd that person become the governor? God didn't wake up someday and say, oh, that person's the senator now? What happened there? Can I tell you? God has not lost any sleep over our political position in, our, in America today. God's on the throne. And Isaiah having a conversation with God, he says, I saw the Lord. I experienced God. I understand God's on the throne. And it says this in verse two, above it stood the seraphims. Above that throne, 
Above that train that filled the temple stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. By the way, this is, this is quite a picture here. Here's these heavenly beings, these angels with six wings. I don't know what they look like. I, that, that makes some good Hollywood movie, I suppose. I don't know. That's just bizarre looking. With Twain, he, he, he covered his face because he couldn't even look on God. With Twain, he covered his feet because of the holiness of God. With twain he did fly, and he said, verse number three, and one cried unto another, said, listen to this, I know you read that earlier, but I, I, I love reading the Bible as I feel like it would have been said. Here's Isaiah, and he's experiencing, he's seeing this vision of God, and he hears the angel, the seraphim, hollering out, holy, 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 I don't think we can do it justice of the celebration that was going on in heaven over the holiness and the awe of God Almighty. Here's these angels crying out, holy, holy, holy. Hey, can I, can I tell you what I learned in Isaiah chapter six, verses one through three? I learned this. I learned the proper view of God. Hey, can I tell you this morning, church family, God is not the man upstairs. We don't bring God down to our level. God is holy. God is the creator. God is the savior. God is the sustainer of life. I'm talking about a holy God who we don't even deserve to be able to get down, as John said, to tighten his shoestrings on his shoes. God is holy. God is amazing. I, I want to lift up Jesus Christ. I want to lift up God this morning. We're in church this morning. Sometimes people get nervous in church. Sometimes, well, that guy yells too much. He was just stomping his foot. Oh, can I just tell you, I'm passionate about this. I'll be switched. I'm a Chicago Cubs. Don't get up and leave. I'm a Chicago Cubs baseball fan. I was born in Illinois. My grandma Hackney was a Chicago Cubs baseball fan. Back in the 70s, we'd sit down in her basement watching the Chicago Cubs. They're in Pekin, Illinois. We'd watch WGN TV. We'd listen to that drunk on TV talking about the Cubs. His name was uh, Harry uh, Carey. I mean, he was so drunk by the ninth inning, he didn't even know the ball was inside, outside, upside, downside. He, I mean, but it was fun to listen to. We'd watch that. My grandma Hackney would sit in front of the TV. Jody Davis was the catcher back in those days, what I remember in that certain time frame. And my grandma, when he got up to bat, my grandma would start chanting, Jody, Jody. We were in the basement downstairs, Jody. Joe, the stands at Wrigley Field would be chanting, Jody, Joe. My grandma was leading the chant. I would sit there in the basement with my grandma, Jody, Joe. I was just a little tyke, Jody, Jody. I thought, that's a girl's name, Jody, Jody. Why are we saying Jody's name all of a sudden? This is, and we were, we were cheering it on. I remember one day that the camera, Steve Stone, Harry Carey, commentating the Chicago Cubs baseball game, and the camera panned out to the bleachers in Wrigley Field. Any of y'all ever been to Wrigley Field? Anybody? You've had the, the true pleasure experience of being at Wrigley Field. Amen, Brother Rob. 
it's, they, say, they say jokingly that the bleachers in Wrigley Field is the largest tavern in Illinois. And they're probably right. And the camera panned out to the bleachers, and there was these four men there at Wrigley Field watching the Chicago Cubs. They were Cubs fans. You know how I know they were Cubs fans? Not one of the four guys had a shirt on. They're all holding their can of beer in their hand, and they had all painted their chest. They had a white background chest. They, they painted their entire uh, chest, no shirt on, solid white. And then they took a red, uh, red paint, and the first guy, he had, he, it probably took a whole gallon of paint for this guy. He is a big dude. And he had the red letter C across his chest. And the next guy next to him, another big guy, another gallon of paint, white, the red letter U on his chest. The next guy, another big guy, the red letter B on his chest. The next guy, he was like a bean pole. I mean, he could have used a pint, not even a pint of paint, cover his whole chest. And he had a long, thin letter S on his chest. And those guys right there, come, I mean, they're all, yeah, go, come. just, you thought they were gonna follow, that's why the net's there at Wrigley Field. Not to catch the ball, so it catch the drunk fans as they fall out onto the, that, that, that's why. It's, but they're, they're all, they're leaning over the thing. And, yeah, and I remember hearing Harry Carey and Steve Stone say, what great fans. What great fans. And I thought, that's what it takes to have be a great fan? If that's the case, I, that's weird. By the way, I'm a, you'll never see me with my shirt off, the Cubs on my shirt. You're not going to see it. But I'm a fan. On the front of my truck, I have 2016 World Champion Chicago Cubs, a license plate. I've got Cubs memorabilia all over. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. But I'll be switched if I'm more a fan for a baseball team than I am for Jesus Christ. By the way, the term fan is an, is an abbreviation of another term, of a word. Fanatic. Oh, he's just a fanatic for Jesus. Sign me up. Jesus Christ died on the cross for my wicked soul. I'm on my way to heaven. What have the Chicago Cubs ever done for me? I'll tell you, take my time and my money. That's all they've ever done for me. I'll tell you this, Jesus Christ gave me eternal life in heaven. And I'm going to shout it. I'm going to, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to stand at it. And I'll, I'll stand at a, at a game. I'll cheer them on. I'll yell. Yeah, go Cubs. Go Cubs. I, I'll cheer it out. I will. But I'm not going to yell more for a baseball team or a football team or a hockey team or whatever team more than I do for my Savior who saved my soul. That's God. He's high and lifted up. He's holy. He sits on his throne. We're talking about majesty and might. Hey, can I tell you? He created this world and he knows every detail of your life. That's God. God knows about the bill you got in the mail this past week. That you're scratching your head, pulling your hair, thinking, how am I going to pay that bill? God knows about it. God is the creator. God's the sustainer. God knows every detail of our life. And in this passage of scripture, Isaiah has an encounter with God and says, Whoa, wow, what a God. What an amazing God. Hey, can I ask you, church family, 
How do you view God? Is he your ripcord? Well, I don't know what else to do, so I better pray. God, you know I've been faithful to church, and if I go to church, God, aren't you supposed to hold up your end of the deal? God, why, why do I have this medical problem? God, I'm giving my life to you. God, why, why is my marriage struggling? God, we've been in church. God, you gave us that precious little bundle of joy as a baby. I remember when we held Angel in our arms for the first time. We thought, wow, this is awesome. We thought we were going to have a perfect child. She would never cause us any. Hey, can I tell you, she's an amazing child. She is. I love her to death. Well, there were times. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. There were times you wondered, why did I even have a child? My pastor used to say this. He said, the greatest joy I've ever experienced in my life was from my children. And the very next sentence, he said this, the greatest hurt and heartache I ever experienced in my, in my life was from my children. Man, they, they're tough. When you think you got it figured out, they turn 13. Then you think you got that figured out, they turn 17. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm punch them in the throat. Hey, can I tell you? God knows every detail of your life. God knows about that child in your that child that was in your arms that was great. Now you're wondering, what am I going to do? By the way, teens, we already had the powerhouse conference, so I, I don't need, mean to get on your case too much, but man, God gave you the parents he wanted you to have. God didn't mess up with that. When we have the right view of God, it changes our circumstances of life, how we view them. I see, number one, the proper view of God. I see, number two, the resulting view of self. Look, if you would, please. Here's Isaiah. Get the picture. Isaiah's seeing God. He's got a vision. He sees God. He sees God high and lifted up and the majesty and the might and the amazingness of God. And in, in turn, he says this. Verse 5. Then said I. Here's the, he looked in the mirror now. Woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Here's Isaiah. Isaiah says, man, look at God. What an amazing God. Wow, God, I love you. Look what you've done. God, your mercy, your grace, your long-suffering. God, your forgiveness. What an amazing God. And then he looked in the mirror of God's word and said, what was me? God, I don't deserve, I don't deserve to stand before you. You know what America has become in 2023? Self-centered, narcissistic, pride. We all, I, I say we, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about all of us, me. I don't know how to spell narcissism. I don't know that I know a definition for it, but I can, I can illustrate it. I love illustrations. Narcissism. This is me. This is the world. The world revolves around me. That's America in 2023. It's all about me. Burger King, have it your way. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. 
Hold on. That's a, we turn on the news and watch the news. It's all about me. It's all about my wants. It's all about what I can get. Hey, when Isaiah saw God, you know what Isaiah's response was? Isaiah's response was, God, I don't deserve you. God, I don't, woe is me. I'm a nobody. Can I tell you, honestly, church family, some of you are looking at me that right now, you're thinking, man, you, you need to go back to Tennessee. You're weird. You know what I do know? I don't deserve to be standing here. I don't. I, I know this, Brother Tim. This guy's an amazing guy. Unbelievably gifted and talented. I don't know what in, but he's unbelievably gifted and talented. I'm just kidding. He's a great guy. But I know this. He doesn't deserve, deserve to be on staff. Brother Rob, he's tall, isn't he? He can sing. He's gifted. He waves his arms when he leads us. His wife told me yesterday he doesn't deserve to be on staff. I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. She said much worse. I'm just kidding. I, you don't deserve to be on staff. Man, you, you here leading the singing, doing a great job over there. Doing the, the reading. Man, that was powerful. Move over, Alexander Scorby. We don't deserve this. Well, I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. No, you're not. We are all the product of people who've invested in us. We're all the product of people who God's brought into our life to shape and mold and help and make us. By the way, some of that shaping and molding and helping and making us teenagers is when mom and dad says, nuh-uh, junior, you're going to do it my way. That's some of that shaping. We don't always like that shaping, do we? When the boss looks at you and says, hey, sir, you're not doing it that way. You're doing it my way. And you want to look back at him and say, you're an idiot. Here's how you do it. And no. You see, we all look out for big old numero uno. We're all that way. We'll come into church. Some of you this morning, you're, you're a little bit confused because of the setup for church. I've never seen the church set up in another way, so I don't know how it's supposed to be. However, some of you came in, and, and you're looking for where you normally sit. Well, I can't sit there. Why? What's, what's going on with church today? And, and then someone else comes in and sits in your seat. You ever had someone sit in your seat? Oh, that's irritating, isn't it? By the way, this is great. It's a whole row. Almost, sir, thank you for sitting down front. God bless you. Thank you. But there's a whole, you'd love to have someone sit with you, wouldn't you? Amen. Amen. Hey, can I tell you? We, we, we'll fuss and feud over someone sat in my seat. I'm in a different church every week, and nearly every church I'm in, the front row is wide open. Prime seats. You go to a ball game, you don't say, oh, hey, I'm going to go sit in the back. Yeah. Give me the nosebleed seats way up there where I got to get my binoculars. We don't do that. We get as close to the action as we can, but we get to church, we're like, eh, I'm not going to be a fun. Hey, can I just tell you? I learned from Isaiah. Isaiah says this. When I see who God really is, no longer is life about me. Amen. Well, I sure am glad the kids get to hear this one. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. You know why teenagers act the way teenagers act? They just follow examples. Right. 
talking to myself. You know why my teenagers were selfish? Because their daddy was selfish. You know why my teenagers were prideful? Because daddy was prideful. You know what the cure is for Kurt Copeland? See God for who he is. Sometimes we think we came to church and, well, look at me. I, I dressed up for church. I'm in here and, man, I am, I am a good person. No, we're not. I'm not in church today because I'm a good person. By the way, church is not a trophy case for, for people to be set up on display. You know what church is? Church is a hospital for people who need help. Amen. We're not here to show off. We're not here to make ourselves look better than someone else because the truth is we're all a pile of dirt. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Man, I have just insulted you all morning long. I don't mean, I'm not, I'm talking about me. I'm a pile of dirt. I'm a pile. And guess what? One day I'm going to take my last breath and I'm going to turn back into that pile of dirt one more time. I'm, isn't it silly that one pile of dirt would look at another pile of dirt and say, I'm better dirt than you are. No, if you're better dirt than someone else, you know what that means? There's more fertilizer there. Hey, for some reason, we have this mentality that we're better than someone else. Do you hear what Isaiah said? Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For I have seen the Lord, the King. And when he saw the King, it changed his perspective of self. You know what's the biggest remedy for my pride? And I've got it. I've got it. You know what the biggest remedy of my pride is? My wife. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. That's seeing God for who he is. When I understand who God is, I understand I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I don't deserve any good thing. I don't deserve any accolade. I don't deserve any praise. I, when I see God for who he is, it changes who I am. Second Chronicles 30, 34, 27. Because thine heart was tender, God says, and thou didst humble thyself. Proverbs 9, 16, verse 19, talks about our humble spirit. Proverbs 29, 23, talks about that humble spirit. Matthew 23, 12, talks about humble thyself, uh, humble himself. He that humble himself shall be exalted. The Bible says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. James 4, 6, God giveth grace to the humble. James 4, 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself therefore under the, under the mighty hand of God. You know, the Bible is replete with verses that talk about us humbling ourselves. Who in the world do we think we are? It's not about us. It's all about Him. Amen. Truth is, I would prefer you never remember my name. I'd, I'd, I'd prefer you remember who Jesus Christ is. Amen. How good he is. 
how amazing he is. Second Chronicles 17, 14. If my people, Christians, which are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. What's God saying? God's saying, humble yourself. Who do we think we are? Hey, if someone else comes and sits in your seat, you know what the answer is? Hey, God bless you. Enjoy those seats. Those are great seats right there. Enjoy those seats. And go find a new one. Or get here earlier. If someone, someone gets asked to sing the special and you don't get asked, I have never been asked to sing a special in church. Those of you who listen in on live stream, you know why. If you were here in the service, you know why. It's horrid. I can't sing. I've never been asked to sing in a song. I asked the girls today, y'all were standing up there getting ready to sing in the choir. I looked some of y'all in your eyes. I said, can I join you? And y'all looked at me like, <laughs> no. You know what? I wasn't offended. You want to know why? Because I, I can't sing. Some of us, we get sideways and been out of shape. Well, why didn't the pastor ask me to do this? Why didn't they ask me? Why didn't they get me to sing this message? Why didn't they ask me to sing? Why didn't they ask me to read the passage of Scripture? That's nerve-wracking, isn't it? Yeah, everyone wants to say, if you stutter over a word, they're like, that guy can't read. <laughs> this is not easy up here. Hey, when we get a view of who God is, it doesn't matter who I am. It's not about me. It's not about my name on a door plate somewhere. It's not about my name on a seat somewhere. It's not about a trophy. It's not about, it's all about God. And by the way, I see number one, the proper view of God. I see the resulting view of self, verses five through seven. And then verse number eight, it's my life verse. I love this verse. And I'm done. I see number three, the right perspective. Verse number eight, here's, here's Isaiah's response. When he sees God and then looks in the mirror and sees himself, here's Isaiah's response. Bible says, also I heard the voice of the Lord, Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah's answer, here am I, send me. God, I know you're on the throne, you're high and lifted up and I'm a nobody. So God, I just want to be a servant of yours. God, I just want to live for you. God, I don't need someone saying my name. I don't need some accolade. I don't need some trophy. I don't need a plaque. God, I just want to live for you. That's Isaiah's response. Isaiah saw God. He saw himself. And his response was just simply fall on his knees before God. God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. God, how can I serve? God, what can I do for you? Hey, can I tell you, church family, you know what this great church needs? It's real simple. The right view of God, the resulting view of self, and then the perspective it gives. God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. It's not about me. Church family, can I tell you this morning, I needed today's message. I need this. 
times. I don't see God all the time like I should. I put my eyes in the mirror of self. And I want my needs met. And I want people to think of me. It's my human nature. But when I read Isaiah 6, 8, it changes. Because I get a healthy dose of who God really is. Wellingford, Connecticut ought to know about this great church. Why? Because it sings the best or it gives the best or it has the, 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 the greatest buildings. or what? No, they ought to know this church because the people in this church aren't full of themselves. They just want to serve God. By the way, that's what I see. I've been here this week and I've watched people I've watched people cleaning, serving, selling candy, food, going in the bathrooms and cleaning the bathrooms. That's nasty, especially after a big group of teenagers. I, I've seen a church family giving so a powerhouse can take place. I've seen this morning a church family loving on their pastor and caring for their pastor who's hurting that's a proper view of God. Hey, can I challenge you, church family, this morning? Can we push the reset button one time here today and just say, God, would you help me to get my eyes off of myself? God, help me get my eyes on you today. I'm going to pray here in just a second. I'm done. My time's up. Matter of fact, 1212 is what your pastor said today on the way here. 1212. It's 1212 right now. And I'm I'm done. Can I? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give an invitation this morning. Well, you know, that invitation, that's for the teenagers. Nope. Can I tell you who the invitation's for this morning? Me. In just a minute, the piano will play.